As you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, I want to thank you for joining us this Sunday morning, January 16th, and we are opening the scriptures to John chapter 15. We're going through the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17. We're in chapter 15. The Passover has already taken place, as well as the Lord's Supper has been instituted And the Lord has been talking about the Holy Spirit's coming, the coming of the Comforter, and how that is going to change everything in the lives of the disciples as he goes away to the cross and then ascends back up to heaven and then sends his Comforter to be with his people. John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking in verse 9, and he says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Dear Father in heaven, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we open the scriptures. Would you teach us more fully about the love of Jesus Christ for his people and also of how we can continue in your love and that our joy might be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, John chapter 15, verse 9, Jesus comes out and tells us something that we love to hear, and that is that he loves us. There's something special about being told that someone by someone else that they love you and knowing that someone really cares for you. Now, Jesus loves us. We know that. And many of us have grown up in church since we were little, singing the songs of that. In fact, our hymn book seems to be full of songs like this that are very precious to the people of God. When we were little, we sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And you'll remember the song, I am so glad that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. Then maybe we got a little older and started singing that song, I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Personally, as a boy, I remember going to church and hearing Mr. William Moselig sing. He was one of my favorites to watch at church because he had a beaming, radiant personality. I grew up, and we ended up down in Pensacola, Florida, and I was at church there. And William Mosley came from Indiana, where we had been in church before, and he moved to Pensacola, too. And I still remember him singing, Why Should He Love Me So?, And whenever I hear that song or we sing it in our hymn book, why should my Savior to Calvary go? Why should he love me so? I always think of William Mosley and his his beaming, radiant love for the Lord and the genuineness with which he'd sing out for his Lord. But there's so many songs that are dear to us. Songs like, Isn't the Love of Jesus Something Wonderful? And Oh, How He Loves You and Me. These are songs that tune our heart to sing his praise. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So it's Pastor Lang's belief that when we sing of his love for us, it tunes our heart to love him better. 
in response. So songs like More Love to Thee, O Christ, More Love to Thee, would be a heart's cry, a heart's prayer, directly to Christ, Lord, help me to love you more. We have all these scriptures as well. I think of what Paul wrote uh, to the Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, this morning, we're going to focus on the love of Christ for his people. And I'd like you to take this first truth of three and consider with me that we ought to, number one, receive Christ's love in the form of assurance. Receive Christ's love in the form of assurance. I'd like us to revel in the love of Christ for us and just meditate upon it for a few minutes this morning. Think deeply on it and ponder it. Try to grasp hold of it. Um, I remember watching just a few days ago, my, well, actually, maybe it was just yesterday, um, my children, as they watched a home video of when some of my older girls were little and one of my girls was um, was in the kitchen helping mama get potatoes ready to make mashed potatoes. Somewhere we'd gotten a, about a 50-pound bag of potatoes and it was far too heavy for this daughter to carry or even drag. And my daughter was so small at that time, she could crawl inside the mouth of the bag and had to reach way back down deep into it to pull a potato out. And Rebecca would say, okay, give me the next potato. And she would come out with a potato and, hand, and she could, couldn't even grasp one potato hardly, kept dropping it. And that's the way the love of Christ is. It's so Deep and wide, we can't grasp hold of it. It's hard for us to take it in. It's like First John 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What kind of love is this? Well, it's certainly hard to take in and hard to describe. But number one, let's try to receive Christ's love in the form of assurance this morning. John 15 Verse 9 is a red-letter passage. Jesus is speaking of his special love that he has for his own. And those who are believers are in Christ. They're like branches in the vine, as verses 1 to 6 tell us. And Christ wants to produce fruit through us by his power for the Father's glory and he adds that we are special objects of his love. And if you're saved, then it is just as though Christ were speaking directly to you with his own lips, certainly out of his own book. And he's saying, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Let me ask you, does God the Father love his Son? How much does God the Father love his Son? And what is the Father's love like? For that to be turned around and said, that's the same kind of love that the Son has for me and for you. Well, consider it for a few minutes. Because God's love, like himself, God's love is eternal. It's described in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, his love for Israel. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. 
Did you know that God's love for you will never end? Aren't you glad for that? That it has no expiration? His love doesn't change or run out? His love is second, not only eternal, it's also indiscriminate. He does not discriminate against one people or against another. He's no respecter of persons. God loves all the world. He loves everyone. Matthew 5, verse 44. If you turn there with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse number 44, it speaks of God the Father's love and what it looks like. And what it looks like when we, the children of God, have the same kind of love that our Father has. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. It's saying that you are most like your Father in heaven when you love your enemies goes on and says, verse 45, For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Verse 48 says, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So what does perfect love look like? It's a love that does not discriminate. It, it even loves our enemies. Do you know that God has no favorites? Jesus died for all men. You know what's fascinating about our passage in John 15? If you turn back there for a moment, John 15, well, Jesus is speaking just to his disciples. He's speaking to the 11, perhaps in the upper room where they've already left there. They're on their way down to Gethsemane and to the cross the next day. But in John 15, Jesus says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, speaking to the 11. But if you would turn Two chapters over to John 17, Jesus says the same thing about God's love for the whole world, not just for the 11, in almost the same words. In fact, it says in John 17, 23, Jesus praying to the Father, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Now, there is a difference. In John 15, it's a pass it on kind of love. In John 15, he says, as the fathers loved me, so I've passed it on. I love you. But John 17 is as the father loves me, so the father loves you. This is, it's, an, it's a love not just for his own, but a love for the whole world. For God so loved the world. God's love is, does not discriminate. It's not only eternal, and it doesn't discriminate, but third, God's love is unconditional. Did you know God's love is unconditional? It's not earned or deserved. It's not performance-based. God's love does not go up and down for you, depending upon your behavior and your obedience. God's love for you is always the same. I am the Lord. I change not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know that God doesn't love you because you're lovable and huggable? Because, in fact, we're not lovable. The Bible says in 1 John 4.10, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We love God because he loved us. We were enemies of God, and God loved us. We were lost sinners, and God loved us. In fact, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. God's love has nothing to do with our performance, but only that it's based on his character. And I'm so thankful for that. Our love for God is so different than his love for us. Uh, the old writers used to say that God's love is like the sun, always in its fullness, though sometimes hidden behind the clouds by circumstances. We can't always see it. It's always full. But our love for God is not the same. It's like the moon that waxes and wanes. It grows less sometimes, and sometimes it grows more. Uh, there's, uh, it was uh, sometimes the love of God it could be compared to the ocean in its fullness and how God's love is its so full toward us. And our love is more like a, just a bathtub size in co contrast with the ocean. And even at that, the plug comes out sometimes and it just drains all out and we, we leave our first love. But I want to remind you that even comparing God's love to the ocean is not a good comparison because the ocean's tide comes in and goes out. It, it, it uh, ebbs and flows. And God's love for us is always at high tide. Uh, so different from, from our love. God's love is unconditional. I'll tell you, God's love for us is so good, it's immeasurable. Immeasurable. This is, it's, Amazing to consider, but love beyond all human comprehending. Love of God in Christ, my Lord divine. Love that brought him from the realm of glory just to save a sinful soul like mine. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? God wants us to consider it and think upon it, or he wouldn't have said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. God doesn't just love you. Jesus Christ loves you as his Father loved him in a perfect love. As full as God's love is for his Son, so is Jesus' love for you, friend. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And I ask you, who shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? We could sing it, oh, how he loves you and me. Let's receive Christ's love and take it as our assurance and revel in it. Thank God for the love of God that passes knowledge. Second, let's not just receive Christ's love in the form of assurance, but let's respond with love to Christ's love in obedience. Respond with love to Christ's love and obedience. If you look at the next verse, John chapter 15, right after it says, Can, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. It says, Continue ye in my love. Now, what does it mean? Well, the next verse, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. The word continue and abide are the same word in the original language. 
So how do you continue in his love? By a, keeping, if you can keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus said, I come to do thy will, O God, and he did. He perfectly fulfilled the command and the will of his father, was always submitted and was obedient even unto death. And here Jesus says that I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. He's telling us what continuing in the love of Christ looks like. It's keeping his commandments. It's obedience. Not only does God want us to receive his love and not doubt it, but have full assurance of his love for us, but also to respond with loving obedience. Would you turn over to John chapter 14? This is said in several places. I'd like you to see John 14, verse 21. John 14, verse 21 says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, we know that God loves the world, but there's a special love that the Father has for those who keep his commandments, who trust and obey. And he says he'll love and manifest himself unto, unto them. Uh, what does that mean? Well, I think it's also explained two verses later. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, there's the condition, he will keep my words, and then what will happen? And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. There you have the actual abiding relationship of Jesus Christ and his Father with the believer who walks closely with him. It's he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. It's that close abiding fellowship. You know, even a child can have this. You can have a small child who obeys mom and dad and obeys in the Lord as unto God and has an abiding relationship and a child can see their prayers answered and love the Lord with all their heart. And this is it's a wonderful thing. We've had many prayer requests in our, in our church this past several weeks. We've been praying for Brother Tushel with the, the passing of his mom. We've been praying for the Coulter's with Mrs. Coulter's surgery coming up this Tuesday, and for the gardeners and their son Ricky, and God's raised him back up to good health and done a miracle, just spared his life. He was in the hospital. Now he's back home, and we just thank God for what God's done. But I'll tell you, it has been dear, and I will never forget listening to my little children around the table uh, praying for Mr. Ricky and praying for Mr. Tuchel. And they pray for Sam Davis to be saved. And they pray for Mr. Foster to be saved, our old neighbor. And they pray for this person. It's, it is dear to me. I'll never forget hearing them pray these things. You know what? This is also part of the abiding relationship that even a child can have who obeys, obeys mom and dad in the Lord and walks with God. And this is something that's so simplistic. It's so real that they can continue in the love of their father. And this is a wonderful truth. John 15 says the same thing in verse 14. Ye are my friends 
if ye do whatsoever I command you. There's an obedience that is in God's way of reckoning equates to love. Is this what parents want? They want their children to obey. The greatest way you can show love for your parents, young people, is to obey them. Obey them with the right heart attitude. It was Nate Saint and Jim Elliott who died as missionaries to the Aka Indians, just two of five missionaries that died that day. But it was Nate Saint who said that God did not get a hold of his life until he saw that, quote, obedience is not a momentary option, but a die that's cast, a decision that's made beforehand. It's, it's, we, we decide that we're going to, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then from there on, it's a moment by moment. Um, it's, it's following and obeying and walking in his love. But we decide up front, I'm, I have decided to follow Jesus. There is, number one, a receiving of Christ's love that should bring assurance to our heart. Let's grasp hold. Let's love the love of God for us that makes us more than conquerors through him that loved us. But second, let's respond with loving obedience to Christ's love. And then third, let's be refreshed in his love in the form of joy. Now that's the next verse, John 15, 11. These things have I spoken unto you. Why, why did he say these things? Why did he say, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, he shall abide in my love. The reason he said those things were, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is not just happiness. This is not just our, our ability to be happy times 10. This is the joy of Jesus that he says that my joy might remain in you. The joy of God in you. Now that is really something. I want to remind you that joy is not tied to your circumstances. Because the Bible tells us that when we endure temptations and trials, James 1 were to count it all joy. We've been through this before, but um, joy is expecting God to break through on our behalf. It is that forward expectation that God is going to work. It's not a plastic Walmart grin. It's not a plastic smile. God's not saying when you go through trials, just grin bigger. It's not, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It is the expectation that God is going to break through the circumstances of our life. And rejoy or rejoicing is expecting God's going to do it again. And we're to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice constantly expecting, looking for the hand of God to be at work in our life and accomplish his work. And joy, when you're, when you're walking with God in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on your way. You can see his, him at work, and you can expect him to work. This One of the first things we lose when we're not walking with God is we don't expect God to work in our lives. This is the joy is gone. Did you know that joy 
we lose our joy, and it's because of one thing. It's not because of bad, hard times. It's because of sin and disobedience. Psalm 51, the psalmist said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. When David sinned greatly against God, he did not say, Restore unto me my salvation. He said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. If there's one thing that holds back joy, the joy of the Lord, it's sin. But abiding in Christ, continuing in his love, trusting and obeying, it yields the joy of Christ that remains in us in a fullness of joy that nothing else can take its place. This world has nothing that can compare to the joy of the Lord that is our strength. I'm telling you, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is part of your spiritual inheritance from God. Again, he says, it's my joy that I give. My peace I give unto you. Have you noticed that the two themes of this passage are the two first two fruits of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. He says, continue in my love. And he says that my joy might remain in you. And these are both the two fruits of the Spirit that God wants developed and built into our lives. And I, I want to take a moment today and just ask you, is the joy of the Lord your strength? Are you enjoying your relationship with God? Is the joy of Christ remaining in you and is it full if it's not, something is between you and your Lord, and he loves you. We sing the songs, don't we? I am so glad that Jesus loves me, but the Jesus who loves you wants you to live not just obedient, but in loving obedience that results in joy. Maybe you'd say, I know God loves me, Pastor Lang. I know he does. But I don't have the joy of the Lord in my heart like I ought. And I want it. I want to make things right. I want to abide in the vine and have a closeness with God, continuing in loving obedience. And God has spoken to my heart today and given me a little better grasp of Christ's love for me, that it's eternal. It's without expiration. It's not discriminate. He died for all. It's unconditional. And I'm telling you, the fact is, it's immeasurable. God's love for you is greater than the ocean, and he wants you to have fullness of joy. If you do not have the fullness of joy that you believe God wants you to have, why don't you call out to God and say, Oh, Lord, show me my sin. What's between me and you? And if God's already revealed it, you can take it, go right to him and confess that sin and find cleansing from all unrighteousness, and God will restore the joy of your salvation. You can pray and ask him, just as David did in Psalm 51, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. If you're not saved today, let me tell you, there's no greater, greater privilege that I could have than to introduce you to the Savior who loved you and gave himself for you. The Bible says God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But you have a choice. You have a choice today to accept or reject 
God's love gift for you. Jesus died for you, a sinner, because your sins have separated you from God. Your sins have earned for you eternal death in the lake of fire. There is ahead of you a judgment that awaits that the only way out is through the Son of God who loved you and died in your place for your sins. And if you believe that Christ died for you, you ought to call out to him now and thank him for the gift of salvation that he died for you and say something like this, O God in heaven, thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me and being buried and rising again. I receive you now as my Savior. Help me now to live for you. I'm so thankful that you loved me and that you died in my place. And I ask you to save me now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.